0: Broken podcast. So. I mean, we've already been jabbering for half an hour about stories. I've got a lot of favorite otter stories, but I'm just gonna start with one. When we were, uh, this is a fire in area, so the bottom side of Tens area. We're at it seven together. <clears throat> you have, I can't even remember the street now, but it's like it's kind of like two over twos, but there's doors everywhere, right? And it can go a million different places. And it was an attic fire. Backside of the thing is ripping. We show up second. We're running down. Grabbing another line. The fire's in the back bedroom. We're just hanging out. The one owner lives by himself, but he has his prized possession, which is a parrot.
1: Oh, the parrot.
0: <laughs> so, fire's ripping in this back bedroom, right? We're hanging out. We're back up. We're just there to support. And then I realize my officer's gone. Where's Otter? So... I'm in the back bedroom, obviously not here. I start going down the hallway, not in the bathroom, not in the closet. I open the door and it's like a scene out of a movie. There's this parrot flying, freaking out all over the room and you're sitting there jumping, (laughs) trying to catch this parrot by its legs. (laughs) And There's a split second where like you look at me and you're like, I need help. And we make eye contact. And I just shut him. the door. I, I, yes. I shut yes. you in the door and then I walk back. I'm like, he's going to
1: be fine. If, if you weren't going to help me, closing the door was the next best thing to do for me. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 remember oh, that. yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: that was, um, that was a good one. That was a good fire. I, I thought, yeah, there was another one I thought you were going to go with. <laughs> there's, there's probably a lot that I have to pay subscription for for like explicit content that we're just gonna forget about oh yeah no we're not no doing that. yeah <laughs> some stories were just don't need to be made yeah, no. that public we we'll just let it be um i want to throw it back to hawaii you stealing pineapples out of uh fields mm-hmm. so go surfing yeah, yeah give me a little rundown of just like that brief moment in history and we'll just build it back up um uh go surfing on the north
1: shore you do it early in the morning uh winds are calm so it's very, very glassy and get in the back of a pickup truck and you're driving out, to, mm-hmm. you know, with the other guys. And I didn't know what they were doing the first time driving out and driving through the pineapple fields. And they've got a great big machine that kind of creeps along and they've got the, uh, the field workers that are just spinning the pineapples off, throwing it on. conveyor belt takes it and... The, the guys were laughing and they pull up just a little bit ahead of this machine. They jump out and they go to the fields. I'm like, what are they doing? And they spin off the pineapples and jump back in. And we drive away and they have a knife. They cut it open and we're eating pineapples like apples. I was like, oh, this is great. I didn't really pay much attention to what was going on around, uh, behind me. So the next time we did it, the next weekend, we're going out to do it. Uh, I'm like, oh, I can do this now. You know, I'm just like these guys. So I jumped out of the truck, whatever, and I start spinning off, and I grab one, and I was like, well, if I can get one of them, I'm going to get two of them. So I start spinning off, and then I realized that all of the plant workers are very upset with us taking their pineapples. (laughs) And they're running up, and the guys are yelling at me, and I'm like, here we go. So I'm running, throwing pineapples in the back of the truck and driving away, and that was, uh, that's when I learned you only take one pineapple when you're going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) So, and and that was just, it was just growing up in Hawaii, and and, uh, kind of my rebellious days there i guess for yeah because your dad was navy coast guard coast
0: guard okay yeah
1: coast guard um signed out there uh i was born out there my sister was born out there so we were the uh the tail end of a family of seven kids yeah um and then uh, my father was in line to get promoted and he would have to go back to the pentagon oh wow and he's like i'm not moving my family from hawaii to dc you know, in the early 70s, he's like, yeah, that's no, not happening. So yeah.
0: he retired and we stayed. Oh, wow. I didn't realize you were actually born in Hawaii. Yeah, born, I thought you were there. Yeah, born and raised in Hawaii. So then, how did you get to Annapolis then? Um, graduated from high school, and
1: Hawaii became a very, very small place to me by that point. Yeah. And so I wanted to go away someplace different. So I uh, ended up uh, going to school for a couple of years in New England, up in Massachusetts. Mm. Um, and uh, my parents retired uh, in Hawaii and they decided they were going to come back. Cost of living was very expensive there. So they moved back to Annapolis, where they used to live in Bowie, so they knew the mm-hmm. area. Um, my sister was at the Naval Academy, and my brother was just graduating. Um, so that they, they ended up there. And then uh, um, I did uh, two years of school in Massachusetts, and I uh, recognized pretty quickly that I wasn't a college student. Uh, so I moved back in with Mom and Dad and uh, went down the path of being a fireman. So. Yeah. It's
0: a small world. I knew your sister-in-law, Sarah. Sarah, right? yes. Yeah. Cause she was a member at the gym that I was coaching at. Mm-hmm. She was EOD, right? Yeah. She was EOD. Yeah. Baddest yeah. chick. Yeah. Super Tough. awesome. And that's how I kind of knew your yep. brother roundabout uh, way. Obviously she owns, uh, she owns a gym now in Wisconsin. Oh
1: no shit. Yeah. yeah she owns her own gym. Oh, in that's Wisconsin. awesome. Wisconsin, yeah.
0: I knew she went out there and was still doing it. I had no idea mm-hmm. she actually owns her own place now. She did some um,
1: physical therapy stuff and then it just, it wasn't for her. Yeah. And she's like, no, I want to get back into it. So they, uh, they bought a
0: gym from somebody. And, wow. Yeah. Good for her. Yep, I had no idea. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, so yeah, your whole family, I feel like was just service. Right? Yeah. Between um, Navy coast guard fire. Yeah, Uh, I got a brother who was, uh, army. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. one brother went Navy His sister went Navy. Um, Jeez. father coast guard, uh, grandfather was Navy, mm-hmm. um, uh, uncles, cousins. Yeah. A lot, a lot of military. Yeah. Uh, then there's me. <laughs> the black sheep, yeah, the black oh, yeah. Sheep, baby. I'm sure uh, you know. I used to use the phrase "black sheep," but my, my parents wouldn't agree with that. I was just the different one, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so, um, what year was it
0: that you got started?
1: Uh, started in college uh, when I was up in Massachusetts. Uh, started my. Uh, I was actually going to school for uh, people get a kick out of this. Um, went to school for emergency medical services. Uh, mm-hmm. I was going to be a paramedic. Yeah. Um, and part of, uh, it started in September of 91, started my EMT oh, class. And, uh, uh, part of it was they gave us exposure to, uh, auto-extrications and stuff. And, you know, our squad from um, Springfield comes out and I'm looking at this thing and they pull these tools out. And we start cutting cars up and I'm like, yeah, no, I don't <laughs> want to be this medical stuff. I mean, I can break stuff for a living. Great. Yeah. So, uh, when I, uh, realized that college wasn't for me, when I moved uh, back uh, back home to Annapolis, I guess you call it at that point, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to keep my EMT active. And they said, well, you have to join a fire company here. We don't really have ambulance stuff here. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'll join a local volunteer fire company. And they said, well, you have to be a fireman. Okay, well, what class is that? Well, here's a class you can take. Yeah, So I took it, and um, first, uh, first, cor- first day of that class went in there. Uh, Ray Hodgson was the instructor, um, kind of an iconic guy out of Odenton, um, and he was just larger than life at the yeah. front of that class. And I'm looking at him and then just the way that he talked and the, just the, the whole demeanor and everything. And I got home. I walked into the kitchen, looked at my mom and said, I know what I want to do. I don't know.
0: From then it was off to the races. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. This it was 2000-ish is when you got hired? Uh, May 97. Oh, okay. Even yep. earlier. Yeah. Yep.
1: And they knew what I wanted to do, so I started just, you know, pounding in applications. But that was, you know, that was you you had to you had to have a hook almost to get in oh places. yeah
0: yeah that's when you get my um, career
1: yeah Damn. Um, a lot of people applying so i applied a bunch of different places yeah um and howard was the one that just uh i got lucky i yeah. showed up early for the interview and the guy that was supposed to be ahead of me didn't show up so they're like hey you want to go early yeah sure I walked in and two people in the interview panel uh like hey so where are you from you know i'm from hawaii and they're like hey we just got back from hawaii so I went into about a twenty-minute conversation about their vacation, where I lived, and what they did, and all these things because I had that time frame that I normally wouldn't have had because the guy ahead of me never showed up. Oh, that's awesome! And they said, "Oh yeah, and I just crushed the interview." I walked out. And I was like, "Wow, that was, I was actually didn't do bad."
0: Yeah. So. I that. That's that was cool. That, yeah, that was the way that uh, I got in on it. Yeah. So, at, out of pure serendipity, today's nine eleven, and you were working on nine eleven. I was, or you got, got called in. I was at a trade shift. Okay,
1: I was on a trade shift, and um, uh, I was sleeping. I was actually at my girlfriend's house at the time, uh, girlfriend now wife. Um, <laughs> and um, I was going to say my pager went off, but I don't know. I can't remember now. Anyways, um, sister was like, "Hey, you need to turn on the TV." So turn on the TV, and I you know saw what was happening. I was like, "Oh man!" So first thing I grabbed my stuff and went down to my parents' house, and you know like what's you know, and I'm looking at it, and then. Uh second plane hit right as I got to my parents' house, I believe it was. And right then I was like, oh, I got to go to work. This isn't good. Um, got in touch with um, uh, Captain Afton. It was my captain at nine at the time. Mm. And I'm like, what do I do? He says, get here now. Pack up. We don't know how long you're going to be here. So grabbed my stuff, went into work. Um, went in there. And then from there, it just kind of it was a very, very odd day. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. So... Right, the upstaff. You were driving with chiefs around for I a while. I was driving a chief around. Yeah. Um, at one point, they put um, myself and another person in a pickup truck. They said nobody goes anywhere by themselves. And they said, uh, "Here's the kitty. Here's some money. Go buy food. We don't know when we're going to be able to get back out. We don't know what they're going to be shutting down." Yeah. So I went down to the, the Safeway, and it was just like, "All right, well, we have propane, so we're going to burgers for the next six weeks, boys. Come on."
0: <laughs> so I bought a, just a whole bunch of box burgers and stuff like that. Yeah. It's loaded yeah. up. Yeah, it was an eerie day. I was still in high school. Thanks, appreciate that. I was in Spanish class yeah. when that happened. Um, I remember, so I was hired in 05. Got assigned to Savage. Andy Hoffman, who has been on this, was my mentor. Just, if you had like four Andys, you can take over the world, right? Yeah. And I'm pretty sure you were You were a float lieutenant. I don't know how long you'd been a lieutenant by that point.
1: 05, uh, I got promoted. I believe I got promoted early 05. Yeah. I can't remember him.
0: So I came out like yeah. towards, the, towards the end right. of 05. <clears throat> so you were floating around. When I came into Savage, Like I came out to a great shift. But I definitely accumulated a lot of small wins in my, like, getting my recruit manual done and doing all that single-handedly because I would beat you up every time you came in. And yeah. you were like, hey, let's go. Yeah, And I remember the support I had from you and Andy. And as soon as I saw you pull in, I was like, I felt like I was like li- the little kid standing on the front of the pad. Just yeah. like, you ready, right? Bouncing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Otter's here. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that first year, I mean, definitely set the tone for me. And then it was, you know, I did a year there. You had gotten the spot at one. Mm-hmm. And then I had a couple of close friends there. You asked me to come up and I mean, we just hit the ground running. Yeah. That, was a, that was a good time. Yeah. That was a shift that, uh, uh, I learned a lot as an officer.
1: Um, <laughs> don't uh, don't allow your handline to get charged until you call for it, because two guys will go into a burning townhouse yeah. by themselves without you. Um, <laughs> you and Jimmy. Yeah, um, I, I, that's how I tell the story. And you know, it's like, well, why do you want the handline charged when you call for it? Well, because it puts a leash on you guys. Right. <laughs> I had guys that did that. You know, so
0: yeah, yeah, we had a good group of guys. Yeah. We
1: we we had a lot of uh, shenanigans there.
0: Yeah. Uh so sh- one of the more memorable calls for me there was stonehill oh, yeah when i mean what two three a.m we're screaming down the road i think we were third due wagon mm-hmm. but mom and her daughter trapped on the second floor and we ran around the back uv I est mean, this place was rocking i remember you thinking i don't know if i should actually be inside here right now
1: oh yeah i caught myself in in when i was inside yeah that was uh from the very start um can't remember the dispatcher's name but he had a way of alerting when it's a critical call and he alerted at his fire rescue box which was there was no such thing yeah, in yeah. Out. but it just told him, we're like oh something's not right
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then the information going down the road they kept feeding us information and we were like oh this is this is the one this yeah. is the call um yeah we went um uh, let's see. Uh, uh, Bean John Bean was uh, captain. Captain of too. Yep. And he gave the status. Yep. Um. Uh. Banging on the windows. Remember that. Yeah. Uh. So it's we actually the th-
0: intro to this podcast. Is him saying that? Is that? Is, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's um, him saying that. Um.
1: We run around to the back. Um. They were. They had uh, one ladder thrown. They were throwing a second one. The guys were making entry in, uh, in one of the corners, and we went over the other one. I said, okay, well, let's just let's just start hammering the back of this house because there mm-hmm. was no way to get in the front of this thing. No. Um, nine was getting ready to push in real hard on the front. Um, and then they were going up one ladder, so I was masking up, and they had another ladder thrown. So I went up, went into that room, quick search, and then I think I heard them say over the radio they had one. Mm-hmm. And so I peeked out the door to see real quick to kind of see what the conditions were in the hallway. And I looked to the kind of, I kind of glanced to the right, and I could kind of see – a little bit where the where the master bedroom was at the time and uh, kind of crossed my mind. Do I go out here? Do I try to get the hall? And I'm like, well, wait, let me just try this real quick. Yeah. And about came out, shut the door and uh, two or three strides of crawling across. That's when it dawned on me, uh, should I really yeah. be where I'm at right now?
0: <laughs> yeah. This place so was
1: like, do I turn around? I was like, all right, let's just go. Yeah. yeah. So got in the master bedroom and then actually I was working my way back towards where they were on the uh, Charlie side. And that's when uh, i crawled over the daughter and mm. i was like oh oh wait a minute <laughs> yeah so
0: and then then it got really it got real rude. quick real quick yeah. yeah yeah we were me and joe were pulling a line to the back and by the time right. i was going to follow you in and by the time i looked up you were already gone i was like okay i'm getting ready to go up this ladder yeah. to follow him and then by that point i think the mom was the coming mom's out coming out and one, another guy, Jenkins, he went up the ladder. I helped, we did kind of together, got her out. And then I ran back up and I'm I think it was you, like brought her out to me. Both of them are unconscious. Yeah. Bring her down the ladder. Was she eight to 10 years old? Probably that the, the only,
1: I'd never seen a, I don't know the picture that I couldn't pick the girl out at all. No, no. The no. only thing I remember, it's very vivid in my mind is the pajama she had on. She yes. had that quintessential. Yep polyester style pajama on. I know exactly what you're talking and about to this day just I can just sense I can feel that that yeah. was like that's the weirdest sensation like oh my god I just crawled over the top of a 10 year old you know eight year old girl
0: yeah I know cool. exactly
1: what you're talking about and I have to leave yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> this house like is like, coming apart on us yeah um brought her down the ladder everybody came down the ladders and I remember you came around the back and I mean I'm two three years on the job we just rescued a mom and her daughter we're in the backyard in the grass and i think chuck wood was there he starts mm-hmm. breathing in her i think at one point you even had your mask on her yeah I'd- i don't know if it was you or somebody else but you're sitting and i think maybe you are even breathing on her and i'm just kind of sitting there like i don't know what to do right now because we just brought two people out unconscious cpr this and that and i remember Once Chuck came over, because he's a paramedic, phenomenal human being, starts working on her, and then they start running her over. Yeah, the medics coming in. yeah. Yeah, the medics that came in, after you took your mask off, you stood up, and you glassed over, and you walked away. Oh, yeah. And I remember thinking, like, you're a rock solid dude, and that one got you. I think but the amount of fire, and I mean, you had young kids at that point. Yeah and i remember thinking i need to go check on him and I don't, I don't there's nothing i could have said i was 22.
1: it was it was one of those calls i guess a lot of it for me is the fact that you i'd uh, at that point in my career i was just wide open training wide open oh, training yeah. and reading and talking yeah. to people and doing all the stuff and just focus and focus and work at and um then you throw in the fact that you know a uh, younger family um uh call came together Everything just all the cylinders fired, oh, yeah. and just you just dumped everything into the call. And yep. then, the moment you realized that kind of your piece of that fire was over, I was just like, complete, I was done. Oh, yeah, and I was like, okay, what do I do now? And I said, nothing, just walk away from this. Yeah, and there's nothing else. Um, we can do. Walked away, and I remember actually, I think a part of it was somebody grabbed me, it was um, oh, and driver at one. Uh, Rob, Rob, Rob Grant, Rob Grant grabbed me, kind of looked at me, and said, yeah, "That's it, you're good. Stop, drop yeah. stuff." And that's that's when I kind of realized it. Took stuff off, walked away. And this house is still, I mean, hellaciously burning. Oh yeah. And I remember walking across the street, and I ran into uh, Chaplain uh, Steve Stone. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I walked over to Steve Stone, and he looked at me, and said, "You okay?" And I'm like, "No." And he goes, "Good, you're not supposed to be right now." Uh-huh. And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> okay, okay." So uh, I'm not broken right now. Yeah. But yeah, that was uh, and then uh, we got back from that one. That was and then I went and actually um, Mike Butt was the battalion on that.
0: Mm, okay. Um, and uh, the one chief that we had Merson uh, was live right around the corner. He was there at some one point. I he think. was
1: there at one point. Um, Billy Robinson was driving um, King. Uh, I'm getting old forgetting names now. Um, <laughs> chief King. They were going yeah. they were going out to I think they were going out to Wisconsin or something. They were going to go look at like apparatus or something. Yeah. And they pulled up first. But, oh wow. You know, they're getting ready to get on an airplane. They don't have any radios or anything. So they yeah. met the battalion there and you know. Um but uh yeah, I remember leaving the firehouse that morning and I uh uh text a um butt or getting down to his butt and I was and he's just like, Come by the firehouse some way home. Uh, come by my house some way home. Mm-hmm. So I walked down and I was just like, Dude, what happened? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was... Uh, that was intense. It was a very intense fire, and it was it was just early in my career and just not knowing how to manage a lot of that stuff. For sure. Um, and then kind of looking, then the drive home going, wow, wow, I was places I shouldn't have been. Uh, yeah. You know, did that just happen? Yeah, that just happened. So, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, very much a watershed uh, uh, moment in my career. Oh, yeah. Because it just... And it was just... It wasn't just the fact it was, you know, um, pretty uh, intense uh, rescue, but it was also just the... The shift the shift worked well the guys did what they were supposed mm-hmm. to do you know um we did our job we took our assignment lines were stretched ladders were thrown all that you know it was yeah. that at the end of it it was kind of like oh hey all the stuff does work so yeah. No,
0: yeah at that time i remember we had a pretty strong battalion <clears throat> and uh johnny at nine they're on the front side trying to John- and Johnny out. just
1: i mean he got his crews in the line and he just pushed in um and i remember he was he said he tried to Mm-hmm. get he got to the stairwell and i think he tried to get up the stairwell but the stairs were, were, were gone at yeah. that point so he just um yeah i was uh i mean the guy's pushing in from the front and you, know, you can say what you want by opposing hand lines and this kind of stuff but yeah i gotta put water on this thing and
0: oh yeah i'm coming from here yeah so yeah that's kind of the only options that yeah. they had no they so, made it tolerable yeah and it's um um <clears throat>
1: It was the fact that just a lot of those, the companies did what they were supposed to do. The guys did what they are supposed to do. Um, you know, and if, if anybody thinks it's, it's easy to take an unconscious uh, person out of a second floor window. No. Um, no. No. Um, but it was, uh, it was weird about that fire, too, going back, is uh, they tried to hide in the bathroom they were wet because they had the tub running
2: mm-hmm. yeah. the
1: sink faucets were on it was all that stuff that you hear that they try to hide them you know protect yeah. themselves and stuff so right. it was just kind of all the way around you're just like whoa yeah
0: oh yeah so yeah taking unconscious bodies down ladders even a little girl they're still top heavy yeah and i remember yeah being terrified i was going to drop this girl uh, i remember handing her out um and i'm pretty sure I forgot who was in the in
1: the, uh, in the house with me still. Anyway, it was Chuck. It was Chuck, Chuck him, Yeah, it was Chuck with you. Yeah. And I think I looked at Chuck. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, Chuck. I think we need to get out of here. And I, he was very explicit. Oh, we we
0: we have to get out of here. Or <laughs> we're leaving. Yeah. Like, yeah, get out. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. No. That, that's. I think it was right around that time. You were telling me that you're going to run a fire where. All these things you've been taught and our training on is going to click mm-hmm. and it was either right before or right after that i went in my volley house down the road where that happened like that fire clicked it was a cape cod fires mowing through the void spaces can't find it i remember at one point we got bum rushed by just too many crews being up top and somebody pushed me into the corner of the house and my back just felt like it got lit up i'm like oh there's fire, there's fire in the right walls. Here. yeah and so we started opening things up. And before we could do that, I remember I was at the dormer for the Cape Cod and somebody had just punched out a pain, hadn't taken the whole thing. And I remember seeing air rush into the house, not smoke going out. I'm like, this is not, yeah. this is, they, t- they tell us this is bad, right? I mean, zero visibility, the f- heat driving you to your knees, can't find it, air coming in, not going out. And I remember in that moment, just this vivid thing, like, oh, this is what he was talking about. Yeah, all of these things are and starting suddenly to suddenly the now. pieces start to click and it starts to yep. yeah, and we got it opened up and it was all fine. But I remember just getting no. same thing, just get my ass handed to me on that fire. But yeah. that was it was right around that same time. And then you incorporate rescues into it. You know, you put that in, and it's it's one
1: thing when you're uh, fighting fire and you have those things. Um, remember a very clear fire early in my career in Howard, um, right at shift change, and it was still we were pretty light on staffing at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up just by the situation in uh, you know, lower level of this house, two from the front, one from the rear fighting the fire by myself. And I kind of looked around and I was, I was a rookie and I was like, Oh, I'm going to get in trouble. I've been here by myself. Yeah. So then I kind of stood there for a second. I'm like, well, do I leave? Do I stay? I mean, I got a hose line and I kind of looked around and I'm seeing the fire, like wrapper on the wall and it kind of like dawned on me, wait a minute. I can go back over here. That's where the fire was because it's coming around all here and things kind of all click together.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: The difference on that, what it was, is that fire. It's like, okay, I understand what the fire is doing. And I know how to make a decision from it. You throw in the emotional side of people trapped <laughs> in the house and some of that. And mm-hmm. it's just like, uh-oh.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. You're just firing all cylinders. Yeah. yeah. Adrenaline is yeah stroking. Yeah.
2: Mm.
0: I was going to fast forward a little bit. The, um, another thing where all those things click. It was the Edenville road fire where um, Um, you pulled out the one kid. Berger yeah. Yeah, so even before I knew a lot about it, you're like, you gotta check this out. And now you used it for training, I used it for training. I was, I think I had, if I wasn't, if I had not been promoted yet, I was about to be. And I remember thinking when I'm doing training I'm putting in all these training scars. I don't even realize. And that was a fire that made that make sense. I think we were right around the time we were going through fire ground survival school together Mm -hmm. to become trainers for Mm -hmm. that. And you're like this, you need to be mindful of everything that you're doing and all these little inputs you're doing for training because you're going to have training scars. And I started seeing it in what I was doing. And so I started flipping the script. And to this day, I mean, that just such an eye opener yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that was going on with that fire, but there's that an error specifically. Air, yeah. It was an
1: air filled fire and it was documented. Yeah. And it was all the <sighs> little tiny things kind of all came together. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, split level house, uh, fire in the, uh, second floor, we'll call it, mm-hmm. um, pretty much got the whole second floor involved, starting through the roof, uh, very little heat anywhere except for second floor. And even then the roof was gone. So everything was going up.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, out there had a uh, water supply issue to start with. Um, we had an uh, electronic, uh, electric uh, issue with the, with the wagon. Yeah, wouldn't go into pump gear. Finally got in pump gear, so it was a delay. Um, fire had the whole second floor of that place. So when we pushed up with the with a uh, with the line, very methodical, um, sounding the floor in front of the you know, um, Bergeron who was on the line, New York. We called him, Yeah, um, banging the floor, and I'm like, okay, that's fine. But I was going through that motion because it was just a motion. It didn't really mean a whole lot. It was just what I was kind of taught to do. Yeah. Um, and then we pushed in and we had second line come in behind us. And there's a lot of, it, it. it's on YouTube, it's on the internet. Um, a lot of criticism about it, what we're doing. Um, yeah. There's there's opinions of it. Um, it hmm. was a little different though, because it really wasn't that hot. It looks terrible, but it really wasn't it's, Yeah. because the heat was going up. Looked like a good um, fire to but the thing about it is we got to the end of the hall and there was a, I could see a little hole in the floor. And we had already checked underneath, very clear. We yeah. knew what was underneath us. We knew there was no fire at all. And I just minimized that little hole on the floor like it was nothing. Mm-hmm. No, it's nothing. It's just a little hole in the floor. Just don't step there. Uh, sent a guy into the room, real quick, knocked down the room right in front of us. I looked to the left. As I came back out, he was coming out of the room and that little hole went to a big hole and he disappeared into the floor. Yeah. And um, uh, And that's when... The uh, good side of the training is uh, that muscle muscle memory kicked right in. Yeah. I knew exactly how to grab hold of him. I knew exactly what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to grab him, get him back up, drag him down the hall, get him down to the, the other guys at the bottom of the stairs. Um, they pulled him out. But the very prolific thing about that video is uh, there's a guy hollering, Mayday, Mayday, Mayday Yeah, on the video. Um, and when we went back and looked at the helmet cam afterwards, he never realized he did it. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's, you know, that's just what happens. You get into that uh, muscle memory kind of thing like this. And the problem was, is he never keyed up his radio. Because yeah. every single time that we'd ever done Mayday training, you can't key up a radio and say Mayday, made Mayday. Because <laughs> land hears you and everybody starts making phone calls and the communications gets all mad at you. And yeah. Yeah. So what we had realized is that we had um, trained these people to react very well, but they were mm-hmm. reacting uh, incorrectly. Yeah. And incident commander, uh, uh, the chief, um, did not even know anything was going on until they pulled Jason out the front door. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, yeah, the training scars. We made errors. Um, Minimize a structural uh, problem with the building. Mm -hmm. It was like, ah, it's not a big deal. It's just a hole we go around all the time. Um, Training, not training realistically. And realistically right down to keying up a, a radio. Because when it happened, the guy just did exactly what he was taught. Mayday, mayday, made it, Yeah. Never keyed up the radio. Never went from there, because we just checked the box that he did a made on a training drill. So yeah, it's uh, that was when we kind of all looked at each other afterwards and went,
0: "Wow, well, we've we've made some mistakes. We got to correct some things here." Yeah. So. But I remember you brought that back down to us and you're like, watch this video and it was great cuz you could see flow pass before that uh, was a thing. Yeah, it was yeah. crazy when you were opening and closing doors, you checked yeah, you checked basement multiple checked times. The guys
1: yeah, checked the basements even yeah. even with the delay of water.
0: We went back down and checked again. Mm-hmm.
1: It was so there was stuff that we did well, but it's also you get in you know the devil's in the details. Yeah. And a little of the things we did and you miss one little detail, you mm-hmm. know, minimizing certain things. And it wasn't long after that ran another another fire. Structural compromise in the floor, basically same style house. Um, but this time we're like, yep, no one's going in there. Come on, we can do that. <laughs> no. Yeah. Don't make the same mistake we've done. Yeah, we've been here before. Let's not just let yeah. that room go, guys. Just we'll throw some ladders. We'll do something else. Don't go
0: in the room because the floor is not, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, just having just that little bit the kinesthetic awareness of physically reaching up to your lapel mic and hitting the button. It's, because we hadn't trained on that. Yes. It became a training scar. Yeah and that was such an eye-opening moment for me yeah and it's um it's it was so
1: clear and afterwards when we we're sitting there and the the guy who said the mayday is like who, who's yet we're like you did you called the mayday i didn't call the mayday oh that's you man yeah
0: yeah <laughs> he's like i didn't call the mayday you did but he didn't read you right the radio up and we're just like oh man yeah. the adrenaline dump, you zero out yep. yeah um it was right after that i was training we, so we incorporated the radios, you know, now we can block out channels and get permission and we can do all yeah. that fun stuff. But I was operating on a channels. So when you click the lapel mic, it doesn't do the chirp to let it, it know it's up to yeah, it lock, lock into the system. Yeah. Yeah. So I was watching training and they're sitting there hitting their button, wanting to give out their maydays and they're listening for the chirp and it's not coming because we're on that different channel. Yeah. And I'm realizing that, oh, I'm messing with them. And I don't even realize it. Like, I'm trying to do the right thing. Yep. And it started messing with their communications. So then they would get on real calls and just start talking because they weren't even paying they attention to the trip anymore. Yep. Um, so just even the little things like that will start building into bigger things. Like you said, the devil being in the details, it's going to manifest itself in larger ways. Yeah, And And, it, and you take one small little skill, one, ta- one little skill like
1: that. And you incorporate it into another one. And it's a little more complex, more complex, but that one little basis of something mm-hmm. can pull the thread and it comes apart on you. Oh yeah. So, uh, yeah, now it's, uh, it's much more accepted to, um, go to a channel. You call a communication center. You talk about it. The scanner land is still out there. People still call. And at that point you just look at the guy Whatever. and you go, you know what? It's worth it. Then, mm-hmm. you know, you start talking about these calls later on where oh, we really screwed up on that one. You yeah. Know? Um, But, yeah, that's uh, making it as realistic as possible. Yeah.
0: Just making it as close to what it is as possible Mm -hmm. is critical in those calls. Yeah. Talking about making it as real as possible, I remember I walked into the firehouse one day, and this is when we had both uh, made it to 7 and... Uh, that was a blast. I mean, there was that period where, I mean, we knew a, every day for like a year we ran a fire. That was, yes. We, they, we were we were not liked. No.
1: <laughs> the other ships hated us because they'd come in in the morning and the engine bay would smell like a house fire. Um, yeah. And, and the it was other, like
0: that for almost a year straight.
1: And the other company. I mean, we were running we were running calls that we weren't dispatched on. Just the, the fourth 2 engine could see us sitting there without our lights on, letting them know that we could have beat them there. <laughs> yeah. That was, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That was a good time. Yeah, that, that was a very, <laughs> that was a very time. good time.
0: <laughs> that but, was that was a that was a hell of a shift. Yeah, yeah, that was that was definitely a high point in my yes, career. Very much so. Um, And I remember walking in, and you want to talk about the uh, getting to the point of stressing yourself a little bit. The first time I'd even considered entanglement was when you made a prop in the back shed, mm-hmm. and I remember guys being. I, well, I'll just speak for myself. I remember being kind of terrified because I had never been in that situation before. And of course I'm in my mid twenties. I don't want to look like an idiot and I don't want to fail everybody else around me. And I remember thinking, this is going to put me through the ringer. And you did put us through the ringer and obviously you built it up for sure. And you were, you've always been awesome with that, uh, kind of a crawl, walk, run mentality that? and building it up. But I had up until fireground survival and then me continuing on and doing stuff, I'd never had that skill. And that was something that you were always introduced. Cause you were training like a madman going all over God's green earth. I feel like doing stuff, yeah. but you would bring that stuff back and you're like, all right, this is what we're doing for the next week or month or whatever. And that was my first exposure to it. Um, what was the drive? Because a lot of people, I, he, I still hear all the time. I don't know where to begin. I don't know what to do today. The drive, the drive for the the,
1: the training or the entanglement. Because the entanglement was was some calls I was running into. You know, getting hooked up. The yeah. drive to train. Um, I couldn't scratch the itch enough. Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I I've had fantastic um, mentors. I've had great role models. Um, going to these trainings and dealing with these guys that were. Um, larger than life, you know, you read them their articles and you see the pictures and, you, you know, the training classes they do. And then you go to the classes and just how focused they are with you and a lot of these stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, right after I got promoted to lieutenant, uh, uh, went to FDIC East in Atlantic City. So that was, okay. that was a hot minute ago. Yeah. Um, and I uh, went by myself. Uh, I, I, got the, I got the department to pay for the course but I had to get myself up there and, uh, I had to, I think they played for, I think they paid for the, the, the hotel. Um, but I packed coolers for food cause I yeah. wasn't making a lot of money at the time. And, you know, I had a cooler full of beer. So you know, of course <laughs> I'm gonna come back and hammer a couple of beers and, and, uh, uh, I took a uh, safety and survival course. Uh, uh, John Salka, uh, Rick Lasky. They put a bunch of guys together from a whole bunch of different places, uh, you know?
2: Yeah.
1: And, um, I went into that, and, uh, man, I thought I was, yeah, I was a lieutenant in the fire service, man. I got promoted. I got this, you know, and uh, had a fire, uh, like, the shift before I was going, So I, and we had two sets of gear. So mm-hmm. one set of gear is like, ah, oh, I'm not going to take that in my car. It's going to make my car smell. So I grabbed a new set of gear, this and that, and when we first got, uh, got to the training site for this uh, one-day hands-on class, they, uh, the guy started kind of messing with me. Like, oh, look at this, brand new gear, this and that. And I'm like, and then I, you know, typical smart ass Otter phrase. I'm like, well, this is my second set because I just came back from a job, you know. And um, uh, so they were uh, uh, going through the steps of what to do and all these things. Yeah. And one of the scenarios was I had to do a search of, a, <coughs> of an apartment. And I got into an apartment and I'm crawling around. And I kind of get hooked around something in this one room. And I don't know what it was. And so I started pushing my way through it. And then it got it, it harder and harder to push through. And I'm like, oh, these guys, these guys are doing something. They're they're messing with me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the more I push through this room, the more I get hung up. And I got to the point where I, I was having trouble moving. And a little voice came in the corner of my head. And I hear this <laughs> this very Brooklyn accent. because <laughs> goes, what are you doing? And I'm like, uh, I'm trying to get out of this. He goes, you're stuck, right? Yeah. He goes, why haven't you called the Mayday? Uh, I don't know he goes, okay, hang on a second, You're, stop. So they move everything out of the way and you can't see anything. So they pick you up, they walk you out and says, Hey, drop your coat here. Go get a bottle of water. Just walk around the corner. We'll, you know, we'll come talk to you in, in a minute. So I put my coat down, grab a bottle of water. I'm shaking my head. I'm like, man, I just, I screwed up on this drill. I thought I, thought I knew what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I go back around the corner and I'm sitting there and they come over and they start, okay, what did you, where were you? You know, explain the whole things, you know? I was at steps, was at hallways, this Nazi shark, the whole thing kind of this. And this is, that's the first time I got into um, the room mapping. Mm-hmm. Um, Salka's kind of standing off to the side. The guys are going over stuff and Salka, uh, you know, and they're like the room mapping things, you know, um, the three bubbles of the fireground. you know, where you are outside or floor, room, that kind of stuff. And uh, um, went through the whole thing and then walked around the corner and they had my coat sitting there and all the stuff that was in my pockets of my coat laid out on the ground. And one of these guys are like, Hey, what's up kitchen sink? And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> it says kitchen sink. He says you have everything in your coat pockets, except for the kitchen sink. Yeah. And they picked apart everything that I carried, mm-hmm. you know, you don't need screwdrivers. You didn't need this. You didn't need this. He says that you are, you know, you're talking about light and fast. You're a fireman inside. You need a toolbox. You call outside. Mm-hmm. You want to bring a bag for something for an automatic alarm. That's fine. You do that, but don't carry it in your coat. You know, you that's, that's firefighting stuff in that. So kind of a little pep talk, a little more discussion and some training points and stuff like that. Went back in, went through the whole thing again and uh, finished off the rest of that day and driving on the bus, going back from this, uh, from the training side. It just kind of, it dawned on me and I'm like, man, I don't have it. Yeah. I don't have the skill set. I have so much I have to learn and it just hit me in the face bad on that one. Yeah. So I went back to the uh, the hotel and, you know, I got cleaned up and stuff. I said, well, I'm going to go downstairs to the bar. And I said, I'm just going to, I'm going to get a quick bite to eat. I'm going to have one beer and then I need to go to bed because I'm, I'm, I'm mad at myself. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed. Now. Yeah. So I'm sitting there and I'm, uh, you know, grab a bite to eat, have a sandwich and drinking a beer. And I look over in the corner and the entire training cadre is over in the corner. <laughs> and I'm like, uh. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't want to be that guy. But you know, in my case, so I said, hey, I want to buy those guys one round of beer. Don't tell them where it's from. So, And as I was walking out, I kind of just paused and said, hey, guys, thank you very much for today. You guys really opened my eyes. And they're like, well, hang on a second. Where are you going? I said, I'm not going to be one of these guys. You guys are like this. And he goes, hang on a second. Come on. Let's, let's let's talk. Yeah. And I got talking with the guys and stuff like that. And they just had some very, very clear points. And I just told him, I said, man, I thought I had it. And he says, you have to find, and this is where the, that phrase to try to uh, use is, um, if you're the smartest guy around, you're not learning anything. Yeah. Go find a room where you're not the smartest guy. Yeah. The moment you realize that you're you're kind of on top of your game and where you're at and stuff, there's a, there's a, there's a room somewhere out there that you need to go into because there's guys that are going to teach you stuff. Mm. Keep pushing and keep finding that room where you're not the smart one. Um, and that's what kind of started was, all right, I got to learn. And I would go to the next thing and I'd learn that. And then I'd come back and the, con- the constant message was, take it back. Take it back. Yeah. Take it back and let these guys learn. Take it back because the more you do it with them, then you're going to train. They're going to teach you stuff. And it was just, just you know, constant. And you know, I was wide open. Yeah. Because I could see kind of the result of it. And then throughout my career, I can definitely tell you that that repeated training was uh, was key to
0: a lot of things. Oh, yeah. So. You just, you kept, we'd start small, but you just kept at it. And every day it was something. Like we knew that yeah. we were going to be in gear doing something. It could be pulling hose, it could be entanglement, it'd be all kinds of shit. Yeah. Well,
1: the hose is the big thing. I remember we used to make, uh, uh, I forgot who it was, on, on 7. Because every day we'd come in, we'd pull all the hose. Oh, yeah. We put all the hand lines. <laughs> we reacting. All right, everything. guys, every hand line comes off. <laughs> looked, we we reacted. Uh, yeah. No. No, actually. <laughs> no, it's not perfect for us, okay? That's
0: right, yeah. It was like inner yeah. inner pride wars. Yeah. yeah. That was um, funny. Um so you oh actually i want to circle back you said that you had been in a couple incidents where the entanglement thing was really apparent for you mm-hmm. like you gotten wrapped up a couple of times what was yeah
1: that? i got uh um two of the big ones that kind of come to mind uh one was uh, uh firing uh, back home in uh, back home in pa um uh um helix coil uh flex duck mm-hmm. um getting guys out of a house house was coming apart Wind driven Trying to get in one of these things, and I uh, got wrapped up right inside the front door, and I could see the door, and I kept trying to move towards the door, and it just dawned on me. I'm like, yeah, hey, I'm kind of wired in this thing right now, mm-hmm. and trying to work my way out of that. Um, that one was pretty clear because luckily I was right in um, uh, uh, in train for that one. The wind was blowing in, so I was I was in a good spot if I was going to get wrapped up. Mm-hmm. I was able to get myself out of that one, and I kind of started the uh, um, the cutters concept with yeah. me a lot of it real real heavy on that a functional set of cutters yeah. in a functional spot um and then we had one later on it was uh i think we were working together at seven we had a, a fire in i uh, thought it was up in eights area mm-hmm. um where we we were allowed to go back in this house was in a bad <laughs> shape too and um got wrapped up again but that was one where it was kind of everybody slowed down and up oh, you know cut me out of here i'm fine i got a hand line with me and stuff like that but yeah yeah um, the entanglement stuff really kind of became evident with uh, a handful of fires I had, yeah, um those two were the big ones because of the, just the volume of fire for them.
0: yeah, so yeah yeah, I just remember being that was the first time it ever was like i hate it was so interesting because it was even on my radar, yep. you know, and it's just funny the evolution of the fire service and even through your own career yep. once you hit certain steps, like oh, okay, we need to introduce some more things we need to stress um, things out a little bit more i think
1: it was the same uh, uh same training up at uh fdic and um uh they had a uh entanglement prop and uh, the location i had my cutters and the process i was going through it and kind of how i was doing things was just it was there was no plan there was mm-hmm. nothing there um cutters were in a bad spot got them out was able to make a cut and then just by habit i, I put them back into that bad spot again and yeah. they, they asked me, they're like, "Well, why do you do that?" I'm like, "Well, I had to put them away." I mean, you're tr- you're you're hung up on something. If you're hung up once, there's a pretty good chance you're going to hung yeah. again. Yep. So if you're going to take them out, you got to have something that's you know maintain them in a good spot where you're able to use them again. And that was another one of those. Oh, I never even thought of any of that stuff. Yeah. And then it was, oh, if I'm doing this and I don't consider myself that bad, you know, we got to we have to you know let other people know about this and yeah. kind of get this out there. So yeah, that's where a lot of the entanglement stuff kind of came in. Hmm. Um. We started, and then it was a lot of the just being comfortable in your gear in a tight spot and moving your cylinder, and that's when with that with the prop we built at seven. Yeah, um, just being confident in your gear, confident in tight spots, and, and that it's, kind of stuff. It's huge.
0: Uh, I, I, that was this fringe benefit that we got that we never even realized was being comfortable mm-hmm. in your own gear and realizing things you did and did not need, and you can look on the fire ground and see the people like that person's not in their gear a whole lot they just they don't even look comfortable or happy right now yeah um they're not used to the feeling right Mm -hmm. and when we did the fire ground survival program and then even after i got promoted and started doing things with my shift and now having trained a lot of the department it's amazing to see people that get hung up that haven't been in that place before and you see Yes. The frustration. Sometimes you also see meltdowns. Yeah. Panic and panic and the thrashing. But when you're in that controlled environment and you're able to slow them down mm-hmm. and like, all right, let's think about this one thing. Let's, let's, you're zoomed out right now. Let's zoom back in. What do you feel right here? Or what yep. do you hear? What do you see where your tool and you start picking apart these little things. And then once they're able to get through it, you get more reps in it's, I use analogy, it's almost like they won the Super Bowl. They're like I've seen grown ass men hoot and holler getting out of that prop because that was one of the hardest things they've ever done in their life. Yeah, in the training ground, and that's not me throwing shade. You don't know how you're going to operate until you've been stressed to that point. And we, the fire service, I, I think is really kind of
1: not focused on putting the psychological in on the training. You yeah. have to stress yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, that was. Uh, um, kind of hammered with me with a lot of the stuff that I had, uh, training that I had done. Um, a lot of it was, how are you going to react when you are physically tired? Mm -hmm. So I started doing things like, um, I'd get on a treadmill and I would run with an, with an air pack on. How can I control my breathing when I really need oxygen, when I am tired? Mm -hmm. Um, and how am I going to feel with that on? Um, so it was things like that. It was trying to get myself just, um, psychologically ready for those events. Yeah, because, you know, after Stonehill and some of the other stuff, and it was it was eh, it's not if now it's it's coming. Oh, yeah, it's coming. You do this job long enough. Yeah, you, yeah, you do it long enough. You're yeah. into some stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Some people are definitely more black clouds than others. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do think it's taken. It's become more apparent. Well, more well known. But you can have all the training in the world. But if your mind's not right. And not prepared for that it's still gonna go out you're still gonna take a shit yes um i remember you telling me about this and i don't i mean i know you were a pretty avid reader and you also have the family military background you would bring in analogies from military circles and i remember you talking about how some of the first times i would heard about being like test saturated like all this information Mm -hmm. is coming in your adrenaline spiking and I mean, that's something I teach on and i like super nerd out on now, but that was one of the first times, I mean, a decade and a half ago or more is when I first heard that. And that's, that was from like your reading and I'm assuming yeah, family training. and Yeah, that. Yeah. yeah and just, yeah. Um, I remember the the phrase and it's
1: the first time I heard it, I kind of giggled because I, I could see it right in the fire service, the uh, mm-hmm. helmet fire. That's it. Where yeah. There was so much going on and they talked about uh, fighter pilots. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there was so much information coming into them. How do they get the information that they need in order to make the machine do what they need it to do to get yeah. out of that situation? Um, and what ended up happening a lot of times is they tried to bring in so much information they could not process it and then get an action out. Mm-hmm. And they called it task saturation, the official thing. Well, the pilots used to refer to it as helmet fire. Your head would burst into flames inside your helmet because you just you hit you hit a point. Yeah. Um, you know, and you look at a uh, fireground, a modern fireground. now, if you sat down and you wrote down all the little tiny things that you do and all the little tiny decisions and the, the little analysis that you do um, from, you know, everything, from your crew to the time of day to the weather to the apparatus to, you know, how far out this is, the water supplies, the buildings, fire conditions, people trapped, everything. There's a million things going on. There's, so the same concept can be put into what we do um, and you have to be able to push aside some of them, focus on other ones, and be able to get the action out. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't train under that stress enough, even not just first arriving into but but simply you know, pushing hand lines, safety and survival, any of that stuff, um, stressing people. Cutting holes in roofs. I'm watch guys physically because they're not comfortable in their gear, Mm -hmm. or they're afraid of the pitch, or some of these things like that. You can see them moving around; they're just not effective. Okay, so you're not effective on the roof of a house where the fire is coming to you. Yeah. Hey, you're this. You know, you can see some of these problems. So it's um, trying to figure out how to do these things very quickly and, and understanding the information and getting the action back out, knowing you know where to put that energy and stuff. Is that was something that. Um, I was taught by you know these guys, yeah. uh, and I read this you know read a lot of the articles on that, and that that kind of stuff. And it was yeah, it was it's eye opening. Focus, yeah, yeah. And you're like oh well, wow, there's some psychology to this. We're not just a bunch of dumb firemen running
0: around. <laughs> well, we actually got to think a little bit. Yeah, you know, uh, it's so nuanced. There's so many layers to it. And that the first time I'd ever been, st- I th- not just uh, well physically and mentally stressed at the same time was, was would be the trainings that we were doing just in the engine bay or in that little shred in, in yep. the prop house or whatever, because you can train and that's all fine and you see success and that's cool. But until you're mentally strapped, yep. it's an entire game changer. Training just to check the box for training
1: has become a problem. I think it's getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, people are, are, realizing it's not just checking a box, watching a video. Um, you have to have training at a level where you're actually seeing the challenge and even to a certain point seeing the failure within training because then you find where that le- where that line is um, make it so difficult so that you may not be successful but you know okay so that point there I can't do this yeah so then you step it back a little bit until you can master that And then you slowly kind of work it up. Mm-hmm. but you know I look back and early in my career it was you know pulling hand lines great so we pulled hand lines and open parking lots on weekends you <laughs> know, elementary schools uh, it was easy okay we rock it back on hmm that's great until you have to pull a line, you know at a townhouse complex and you gotta move around cars and steps and railings at 3 a.m yeah, yeah at 3 a.m so it's you know and then it was well i'm not stressing myself you weren't stressing yourself and you weren't making mm-hmm. it more complex so that training environment and, and getting to that level you know and putting the psychological in on it oh um, yeah and actually stressing um but there's also the other side that uh firemen have to be a little better at and i can't say i was always the best in my career but it's you have to let people feel comfortable enough to actually fail in that training environment a little bit. Um, And you got to tell them if you're going to make the mistake, you make the mistake here. Um, And expect to make the mistake Mm -hmm. because if you're not making the mistake, Hey, we need to up the training a little bit. We need to make it a little bit more difficult. Yeah. Um, So that's, that's, you got to do that. You got to add in kind of all the pieces and it's, it's not easy.
0: Yeah. No, I'm glad you said that because I've, I've certainly been guilty when, when I was younger and I've been part of, assignments where it was more of a showcase or it was more of let's induce fear and call people out and you have to very intelligently get that bullshit out
1: yeah the environment and i was guilty of it um the environment sometimes that you get put in in some of these things is you, you're you always kind of uh, jockeying for position. Yeah. You're being judged you're, or you know, and, how and, much do you know? Right. And, uh, you know, in that pack mentality, you always want to make sure that you're kind of in, in that alpha yeah. side to it. Yeah. Um, uh, hey, that's, that's not always the most conducive training environment. Yeah. Um, and if you're really trying to get people to get some sort of skill ingrained, you got to take that out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that you can't have that personality type around to kind of give a little bit of a push. Yeah. But it's got to be measured and it's got to be something where um, the people that aren't as comfortable, that can, that are like, oh, you know, I'm, uh, struggling. I'm, not, I'm struggling this. I'm, yeah. I'm worried about doing this. As you look at me like, no, 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 here's the deal. You're going to be successful because everybody here wants you to be successful. And, and yes, it's raw, raw. It's a lot of feel good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that call is coming, and you're going to need yeah. that guy to perform. Yeah. and that's where it's you got to knock off some of that um, bravado that, that, that yeah. we bring into it. Um, you know, and I was very guilty of it mm-hmm. parts of my career. Sure. Um, uh, but now I look at it, it's like, nah, you gotta you gotta build these the confidence up. Sure, you want to be an alpha male, yeah, you, you can be the alpha male, but it's not because of that. It's not because of what you're saying and what you're doing. It's kind of how the guys look at you now. Yeah. That's really kind of puts you into a position. If you want to be a respected guy, it's their view. It's not how you're loud you are at the kitchen table
0: these days. Yeah. Yeah. You you have to be genuine. You have to show humility. You have to tell them that, no, I I care about investing in you. Yeah. 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 I was, you know, I'll run drills. I'm, I, I definitely nerd out on some of the BA drills and mm-hmm. stressing people with that because that shit just, honestly, it comes from a place of fear. And I want to manage that fear. It scares me because that's our only lifeline when that goes, you're fucked. Yeah. Right. So we'll go through drills and I've got this whole like evolution where we're doing things in controlled environments. And then I just keep adding the next stressor until we find that breaking point. And mm-hmm. we'll get to the point where I'm physically taxing you. I'm mentally taxing you and I'm putting you through some higher skill, finer motor skill evolutions. And what you're doing in a more controlled environment, oh, I got 45 seconds to breathe. And now just by physically taxing you, I'm now dropping that to seconds. And the light bulb that goes off in people's heads is, is, it's just incredible because Mm -hmm. they thought, oh no, I got this but that's not how it's going to happen. Whenever really no. happens, like you're going to be mentally and physically taxed. You're going to have the helmet fire probably. Right. And that's when you need to know when that line is mm-hmm. And enough people, myself included, don't know where that line is. You have to know where that line is. And then you have to push that line as far back as you comfortably yeah. can over time. Um, and with time, what I have found is that
1: line varies. Um, yeah. Older that I've gotten and less active in some of the stuff I've done. I've seen regression in my career and stuff, stuff yeah. that I've done. Um, uh, Been a while since I went through, you know, the old school basic, you know, SCBA maze. Yeah. So yeah. a little while ago, I was like, you know what? Hey, let me jump in one of these things. I haven't done this. You know, it's a new set of gear. So I climbed in one of these mazes and I got about, you know, 10, 15 feet inside this thing. And I dawned on me. I'm like, man, I'm breathing really fast right now. And I kind of kicked in. I was like, wait a minute. Am I uncomfortable right now? <laughs> and I kind of giggled for a second. I'm like wait a minute Yeah, no this isn't and then i crawl a little bit further around i'm like wow it's been a minute it's been a minute and guess what <laughs> <laughs> you need to train more yeah i don't like this <laughs> uh, yeah. so I, yeah that was uh, i kind of laughed and that was you know it that line does change you get to the point yeah. you sharpen the knife sharpen the knife it's fine um mm. you, you let it go uh, it's gonna dull down a little bit yeah. yeah um uh perishable skill i forgot who took you know mm-hmm. you gotta refresh it you gotta refresh it even if something as simple as putting your gear on put an air pack on and go crawling through someplace that's a little tight yeah um the older you get it it, it changes uh, yeah. i've uh, i've worked with some people that they said oh yeah i, I don't want to go in you know training burns just simple training burn um and they're like yeah i'm just not comfortable in an air pack anymore and, no, no why not just haven't done it and i'm like Nah, yeah, it's like riding a bike let's um, go do it yeah and so that's what that that yeah. was my answer to it. And sure, they went inside and they said, Good, I checked the box. I don't want to go back in there again. I'm like, All right, well, you did it once. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that, that changes. And just because you think you got it doesn't mean you're time to go back and do it again. Yeah. You,
0: you got to go back. That's the other thing I see is you work at it until you get it right. And that's okay. I need you to work at it until you can't, you can't get, get it, right. it wrong. Yep.
1: Yeah. And um, it's got to be. And it, you've, if you start to react the muscle memory and the muscle memory with, um, uh um focused movements mm-hmm. not just hey i know what i need to do in a, in a spastic that it's very um deliberate actions yeah. and stuff when you start doing that you suddenly realize hey, okay I, I, that's very all right good good now i'm I'm, I'm on the right track you know yeah
0: uh, and nerding out on some of the psychology of it there's a uh, a book called flow and it's a i think he's i don't know, he's uh Eastern European. His last name is Cheek Setmahi. I mean, spell it. Yeah, it's got yeah. fifty consonants in it. He talks about hitting that flow state where everything is happening happening so naturally, and you can only get to that point when you are a highly trained, highly skilled, under duress individual, mm-hmm. and it can be something as simple as your, um, you know, Kirk Hammett from Metallica doing a guitar solo, like he's in his flow state at that moment. But what does a firefighter look like in their flow state when Mm -hmm. you need every ounce of your skill and being and presence to execute something under the worst possible moment? Um, And there's just a ton of psychology in that that we don't realize. Yeah,
1: and uh, and it's you don't know where you're at with
0: any of that until you until you until
1: until that moment happens. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, moving past from seven. You went to go become a super nerd and you got on the SO team. And you, went <laughs> to, you went to the tower. You went to a special ops tower mm. and you, you went and did that. And when you did that, it lined up where I had the opportunity to become a battalion aide. So, took the battalion aide spot. And I remember that I was, uh, you know, I, I worked for going back to Chief Butt. I had a great battalion chief, one of the best. And he let me go play. And it was mm-hmm. during an era where battalion aides could yep. get just as much fire as anybody else. I had a great time. And then you still did the admin stuff. So I was taking sick calls uh, one night and I hear your voice on the other side. And you said, Hey, I got it. I'm banging out for 24 and I could tell something was wrong. I was like, are you okay? And he broke down on the phone. And I remember it gutted me because one of my closest friends was having a hard time and like I said, you're like a rock to me. And to hear you be in that place, I knew something was bad. And you yeah. told me about you had just gotten off of a fire when it was Jason, right? Yeah. He got hemmed up. Yeah. Um, if you would, can you walk us through that? Um,
1: uh, uh, March 19th, 2011 at two forty-three AM. Not, I don't think it's, I don't think that time is right. Um, yeah. Uh, call came up for an outside investigation. Um, where I lived and, uh, uh, uh v- v- one of my closest friends, uh, was, uh, he had the, he was an assistant chief. So he was, uh, on, on station that night and, uh, the guys are now out, outside investigation calling off. I i was laying in bed, I had to go to work the next morning, so I just silenced the pager and, um, a minute or two later, uh, pager reopens up now alerting for house fire in the area. No, so I get up, so I get out and get in the truck and, I'm, and I drive there and I'm just a firefighter at the, at the station at the time. And, uh, and when I get there, it's you could just see that the fire ground had just cut loose, just complete mm-hmm. chaos. Uh, and as I grab my gear and as I'm kind of jogging up to the scene, um, I'm seeing firemen come out of this house and people just running. And just you could just tell something bad happened. And one of the guys came out and kinda, we, we kind of grabbed him and we're like, dude, what's going on? And he started screaming, Jay's in there, Jay's in there. And this house is on fire.
2: Yeah,
1: Like the whole front um, and pushing out of everything. And we just were like, you got to be kidding me. Um, uh, one guy who's already had a hand line, what was kind of left of the hand line at the front door trying to do something. And he had actually, uh, Jay was right at the front door. Hmm. Um, call came out outside investigation uh, about a block from the scene. They upgraded it, uh, uh, house fire. So when they get on the scene, they had a what they thought was a uh, rancher and called it out, single-story rancher, and got smoke show in. And jokingly, Jay thought, ha, 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 we got this one. No one's around because we're ahead of everybody. And he thought they were going to go in, knock down a bedroom fire, high five, and be back at the station for, for coffee before yeah. dawn. And that's literally what he, he jokingly said about it. Um, and it turned out to be a completely different animal. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a rancher. It was a mobile home. Um, it was a mobile home that had a house built around it. Mm. And so the fire had been burning for a while, um, kind of broke out, got into some void spaces, snuffed itself down. And it was the quintessential, not backdraft so much, but it had all the elements of just a fire waiting to, to grow. And when the guys went inside the front door with their line, uh, as they did that, they started opening up. And when they opened up, all the void space heat and all the everything trapped inside the house started to lighten off and it just took off like a chant Mm -hmm. Uh, construction elements on the front of the house was a uh, covered porch on the front but they boxed in the ends and the drip edge of the roof was below the top of the window so there was no ability for the fire to vent out and there wasn't a flat ceiling underneath it it pocketed up and it just brought everything back up to the side of the house Mm and which then could get back into the void space above they had put trusses over the top of this mobile home so the construction elements were just screwy. Um, then they weren't happy with the look of underneath this porch, this the, the, the underside of the porch. So they put vinyl siding on it. Oh my god! So when that lit off, it yeah. just went like a champ. Um, I got a uh, one of the pictures is one of the guys at the front door, uh, just before everything went went haywire, um, on fire. Basically, vinyl siding laying all over top of him, and you know burning. Um, uh, ended up with uh a uh, couple couple burns on some guys and Jay got, uh, got disoriented, moved around, called him A Day, um uh got trapped. We were able to get him out, um, got him outside and he was uh banged up bad. Yeah. He was banged up bad. Um, couldn't account for everybody. Then it became, you know, who's missing, they're still inside. So we had to push back inside another one of those fires going, what am I doing inside yeah. of here? Um, uh, able to get back out. Well, they, then they accounted for everybody. And so we got back out, and then it was, you know, where's Jay? And they're like, they're taking him. They're, they're flying at me. He's, he's bad. And I'm like, what's bad? I said, I know he was hurt. And they said, when they took his gloves off, all the skin came off too. <sighs> so hopped in my car. I said, oh, okay, I'm going to go to the hospital. So I hopped in my car, drove to the hospital. Was a couple phone calls kind of thing. I want to make sure his and his wife. Okay, we got to let his wife know because she's going to figure out real quick with the local. And um, uh, the ambulance crew actually drove him to the hospital, then left and drove went and go pick up his wife. Hmm. Um, Give the guys credit on that. Came down, and then when I got into the emergency room, just saw how bad it was. Jay was Jay was hurt. Yeah, he was really hurt. Um, So they uh, they flew him to uh, Bayview. Mm -hmm. and ended up with uh, 70% burns, uh, about 30% third degree. And when we checked him into Bayview, um, I went down. I was still in turnout pants and grabbed his wife, threw him, you know, let's go hop in the car, we're going. Um, So we got down to Bayview and then started looking at kind of the nature of the injuries and stuff. And I was like, wow, this is, we got a a problem. We got a big problem here. Um, And then talking with just real quick with some of the nurses and the doctors. They're like, yeah, so we're going to... you know, a couple of things we're going to do, but he's, he's going to be here for a while. And I said, well, what's a while? And they're like, uh, a while. I'm like uh, a couple of days, weeks, And they're like, uh, like months. Yeah. And I was like, Oh wow. Yeah. And that was like, all right, somebody's got to be here. Someone's going to start organizing stuff. And I'm like, I'm calling out sick. <laughs> oh, yeah. First off, I'm not going to work right now. Yeah. So that's when I called out. And that was that, uh, you know, uh, back of your mind, you never want to make that phone call from a burn center. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, standing in the uh, hallway, uh, uh, the burn center up there, uh, Bayview and making a phone call. And then I was like, yeah, this is not good. I got a problem. Um, so, uh, th- 33 days, I think it was the burn center. Uh, Jay's an animal. He's a champ. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, bring it on. Beat, I'm yeah. going to beat that timeline. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. A lot of other, there's a lot of, uh, you know, some stuff with the, with the job where he was working. Um, that caused some some stress and a lot of problems and these things and trying to manage through it and yeah. then trying to figure out exactly how do you handle how do, what do you how do you care for a burned firefighter, mm-hmm. you know they always say the event that happens and very guys are scarred from the event, um, what happens afterwards is just that's a whole nother part of all of oh, that, for sure. and then managing through, um, uh, we did not want because you know the burn center is you know two and a half hours from where we live. It was like, no, someone needs to be here and needs to take care of stuff. Someone mm-hmm. needs to make sure that um, uh, we're not overloading his, his room. We're not bothering him. He's getting what he needs. If he needs this, it is. So um, I actually ended up spending about 29 days uh, oh, wow. of the 33 um, in some form or fashion at the, at the hospital there. I went home a, a couple times in that. Um, but I'd either sleep, uh, uh, crash in my car in the parking lot, um, sleep in the waiting room. Uh, a couple times, uh, I'd go down and uh, I'd crash at a firehouse and uh, at work, you know, get a shower. I'd come in real late, nobody even knew why I'm there. I'd like go in, take a shower, go crash on the couch, get you know two three hours of sleep, get up, you know, go back up to the burn yeah. center. Um, wow. But getting him through that, and that was that, you know, watching that whole process and getting through that. That was, uh, yeah. And then, then it was the questions of like, what the hell happened? Mm-hmm. And then again, it was one of those trying to determine what did we do how did we do things we didn't understand the the um uh construction elements on that on that building yeah we didn't understand modifications that people were doing um to houses um we didn't understand how dangerous an overhanging front porch was on some of that stuff Um, we look at those different now we went back and i give a lot of credit to uh to the chief um our fire company he uh I mean, he just would not accept just standard things. He requested an um, uh, investigation done on it. So he had um, a couple of fire chiefs and a couple of people come in and they reviewed it and stuff okay. like that. And basically it was like, you know, hey, this, is, this is what it was. This is the, you know, answers about the buildings and the tactics and, you know, a lot of photos and stuff like that. and It was great, but it still didn't kind of answer what was going on and some of these things. Um, typical thing is we didn't think about how dangerous the construction was.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: um we did not understand that one action needs to be supported by another action um some of that kind of stuff yeah. um um uh, and we kind of you know we tore it apart again and we learned a whole bunch of stuff and changed our tactics and changed our policies and and stuff like that and the training regimen changed again and it was one of those things yeah but that was uh you know another stone hill in a sense that was a very very yeah, uh, rough, yeah. <laughs> rough time there, and then, then it was when we got Jay home. Um, we had to get him back to work. Yeah, and then it became rehab, the rehab and process, everything else, and just watching that. And if anybody's ever uh, been around any anybody who's been burned significantly like that, and just the process, you know, uh, skin grafts, autographs from holographs, um, and how they do all of that. Uh, yeah, you might be burned 70%, but they're going to take 20 more percent of your skin and basically run a lawnmower over it Yeah, God, man. and do some stuff to you um, and then watching how, you know, what pain meds do to people for long periods of time,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and then, you know, how do you manage your, your core temperatures? And, you know, because that's what you know, your skin pretty much oh, yeah, regulates yeah. like that. Uh, Jane, has, we've got a running joke about, hey, can you turn that air conditioner down over there, please? you turn that air conditioner down mm-hmm. you know uh, jay it's all the way to the left i said can, you know can you take the the cover of the box off and see if it goes any more to the left no jay <laughs> it doesn't it's on zero yeah <laughs> <Or> <laughs> so a, <meat> yeah i always became you know and then it was yeah, a lot of that stuff um uh, but uh yeah just the
0: management of that that was a uh, yeah uh, wow as a so, rehab process is i mean yep. like you said it's the call is one thing the burn center is another thing the rehab, the effect it has on families and everybody else, there's investigations. It's not just a, a one-and-done no. thing. These are things that right. spreads for a while, yeah. has and, ripple effects.
1: And then, the, uh, uh, then you get uh, the emotional side of things where guys don't, you know, you're not taking it seriously, so I'm not going to be mad at you because you don't know what I know. You haven't been through this. Mm-hmm. You haven't seen this and some of those things. And it was, you know, I get frustrated and I said, you know, a lot of the guys now weren't around. You know, it's like these guys need to understand how important some of the stuff is. And, you know, and then it's there's you got to measure that, too. Yeah. Um, So there's. Yeah, that was a that was a rough one. Yeah. Um, But, you know, uh, in typical fashion, the guys came together. The guys did a hell of a good job, you know, taking care of Jay. Um, Jay had an absolute refusal to fail on that. Um, 292 days, I think it was from the date of the injury that he was able to uh, tell work he could come back. Yeah. Um, it's a long road, but that's amazing. Yeah. But he was, he just hammered through it. Yeah. You know, um, you know, hold, hold my beer mentality on that one. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was able to get back on top and then he did a lot of education. He's, he talks a lot about it. He's got Mm -hmm. a lot of the pictures and stuff like that. And, you know, um, so it's, you know, uh, now it's in typical fashion it's, you know, pass all the information. Yeah. a lot of people know about
0: it, educated people. Um, that's good. I think there, are, and you can take one or two roads. There are definitely departments or incidents that, all right, it happens, and they might sweep it under the rug, or they just like, oh, no, that's it is what it is, and then they move on. And then there's the other side where, no, we're gonna we're gonna try to make ourselves better from this and yeah. do internal reports. We're gonna talk about it. We need to tell the next generation. It sounds like you all took that route. Yeah, we had um, uh, very good leadership. Very very strong.
1: Very. Developed a system style mentality. Yeah, good. Um, And actually, from that, we every critical, every serious incident that we run, there is an a um, one, maybe a two page after action that's done, and it's that kind of stuff. What did we do well? What did we do wrong? Where was improvements? This and that, and it's in. um, And what's funny is when we write them, some of the guys are pretty brutal on themselves with it. Yeah. you know, you're like, oh you really didn't do that bad of a job. No, I did terrible. Oh, you're okay, you know. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that, though. But yeah, that was, yeah. Uh, um, and that's just some of the stuff that you know, watching in my career, having those guys that have, you know, the decisions is like, no, we're not going to just let this go. Yeah, you know, we have to learn from it, and then we're going to put something in, you know, uh, um, in our system, mm-hmm. S- systemically for us. We're going to make sure that these incidents, we're always reviewing serious incidents. Yeah, and we're being honest with ourselves and stuff like that. So. Um, you know, that's, that was, uh, another one of the positive outputs from, from it. You yeah. know, take a horrible situation and do the best you can with. Uh, sure.
0: So that's massive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, those are like the two or three maydays that I know you've been on it. Is there more,
1: um, uh, small stuff. We've had a couple, you know, uh, guys get turned around disoriented and you go in, um, yeah. um, training burns where guys freak out and some of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I always kind of break things down. It was, um, you know, we had a fire in a guard apartment kind of thing. And you're like, you know, I rescued three people. I'm like, well, what do you do? Well, I walked him out. Hey, good job. Well done. <laughs> you, you did what you're supposed to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, um, you go into a house where a, a fireman's turned around and you're able to grab him and say, hey, buddy, follow me out. You walk him out. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's an assist out. You know, help the guy out of the house. Yeah. You know, um, uh, I think we can all at one point or another be found ourselves crawling around going, I don't really know where I am right now you yeah. bump into somebody you're like hey cool all right you know it's this way <laughs> um no it's uh, uh it, there's yeah that's for, for fireman side that's pretty much i try to keep it at that um, yeah i don't want more <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think you've been through enough yeah in your yeah, in your time then, um so yeah i you know, that's what it, the, the the downside of the job is, is
0: some of the more of those things for sure uh one of our mutual friends. You're talking about James earlier. He was saying, and he's had his struggles and he's had his moments of light as well. And I remember him saying when he was at a low point, and this is nothing against the military, you know, military will have very acute incidents sometimes and it can get you banged up. And same can happen in the fire service. You also spend 20, 30, 40 years accumulating, Stressful incidents and junk and bullshit. Um, Resiliency is a word I come back to a lot. So when we dealt with our line of duty that we were pretty intimately involved with, um, you know, my phone's lighting up, right? And as I I, I sure you know from your incidents, there's only a handful of people that you feel like you can talk to in that moment. You're definitely one of them. And it's, O dark 30, you know, day two or three in, and you're there in my basement working me through stuff, which um, is a godsend for me to have those connections and to have one of my closest friends and mentors work through me. That was massive for me. You've been doing this since the 90s and you've been in a lot of shit, you are a black cloud. I don't know anybody else who <laughs> has accumulated some more junk and yeah. I know you're just, we're scratching the surface. Um, what, is, what is resiliency mean to you? Like how are you, you've got, you're married, you've got kids, you've worked crazy assignments in busy houses and you've been through a lot of shit. Like how, how have you maintained that and maintained the positive attitude and were you still enjoy coming into the job? Um,
1: I've tried to. I mean, uh, in my career, the one thing I've uh, I've always had to travel back and forth. So I've had lots of times to think about all these things back and forth and back and forth. <laughs> A lot in drive, of compression you know, time. Um, trying to figure out how to, how to manage this, how to manage this. You know, what am I going to do for this? You know, oh my god, I'm going to go home and you know now we're going to deal with the family and I. Um, <clears throat> I've always kind of n- number one and uh, um. Uh, very, very clearly, very clearly, is um I have one of the most stable, loving home lives around yeah um uh I'm the anomaly in uh, with a lot of things, um yeah, my wife is a saint, and <laughs> the people that know her yep uh will understand she is a saint, she is yeah. a absolute rock star, yeah um so if if there's a cornerstone to all of that is I got my Cindy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then just the environment of the house, just and how things are, and my kids and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, was, has been um, the main thing. The other thing is of the resilience is I've always started to figure out how do you, you know, like you said, there's acute things, there's chronic things, and it builds up and builds up, you know, and how do you explain to people how you've managed the black cloud effects and, and this. And the analogy that I look at is, Everybody's got a bucket, and you run an incident, and that, that incident uh, has some sort of uh, effect to you, and it goes into the bucket. Now, sometimes that uh, that incident is a small thing into the bucket, mm-hmm. and you kind of manage it and through good things in your career and good emotions in your career. That kind of bucket, um, you either empty it out, you either sit and talk to somebody, and you, and you empty it out. Mm. or the more you see and the more you kind of understand stuff, the bucket gets a little bit bigger. And then the next incident you run, you're able to manage that, you know, because it's a bigger thing. Okay, well, it still doesn't fill the bucket. But let's say you don't get that out, and then you have another one, and then another one. Mm -hmm. The thing is that if you're not talking about it and you're not getting the thoughts out of your head, um, you know, this was horrible, this was terrible, I remember this, I remember that, you know, those, those conversations, that does empty it a little bit. Yeah, and you find those environments where you know that you can do that and then on top of it is you also just understand is there are horrible things that happen in the world and we get called when those things happen we don't cause them Mm -hmm. you train and you focus and you apply yourself and you do all these things and that just makes you a little bit more resilient because you know I can't affect this I can't do anything about this Mm -hmm. Uh, Steve Stone you know, are you okay? No, I'm not okay. Because good, good. you're not supposed to be okay right now. Yeah. Oh, Oh, okay. <laughs> um, um, but this, the, the more you do is that you just get more resilient and more resilient. And just the, the bigger things you're able to manage. But you also have to understand in my head is, okay, I got to get rid of this somehow. Yeah. So you have to do something that works that out. Um, uh, physically doing stuff is huge. Uh, The endorphins you get from working out is great for that stress reliever. Yes. Um, If you're stressed, that physical exertion, just, you know, doing those things is is great. Um, uh, My wife gets dumped on with a lot of this stuff. Yeah. There's been a lot of, uh, you know, talks around the fire pit, you know, uh, talks out in the shed uh, (laughs) just about things and this and that. Um, and I've just, you know, and then you just get a little bit more resilient to these, these incidents. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just figure out how to empty that, just keep emptying it and emptying it the best that you can. That's yeah. um, when you don't, it's when you hold the stuff in and you don't yeah. talk about stuff. You don't have that things. Um, uh, there was definitely a time in the fire service where you didn't talk about these things. No. Or if you did, it was very, very dark humor. Mm-hmm. Um. Or it was blistering drunk humor. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yes, I do, and it's not clinically safe for anyone. <laughs> I do say that. Uh, you know, a beer or two loosens things up, and you have a conversation. You're able to speak sure. a little bit more. Um. You know, some of those things. Uh, not healthy. Not not advocating. That just works for me. I speak more that way. Um, yeah. Um, you're still in control though. I think that's a difference. That's a difference. Right. Um, yeah. I hate being out of control. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't, you know, I tell people, I don't like being, I don't like being drunk. I don't like being drunk at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, cause you, I, you don't have control. Yep. Um, and you can't watch what you say. You just start dumping the, you know, it's, that's mm-hmm. not healthy. That's not healthy because what you're doing is then, then you're using it as a crutch as opposed to kind of a lubricant. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: good. Uh, some social environments, You know that's a lubricant. You know that you look around at the guys and you just you you can just speak and you know there's no issues with it. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's pretty much how I've kind of managed this absolute chaotic career I've had. Um, And and yeah, there's a lot of other stuff and you know. But I've got um, uh, I've had fantastic leadership. I've had fantastic Mm -hmm. mentors. You know role models um you know uh, personal life is, is is phenomenal uh you know i'm,
0: I'm blessed i'm, I'm yeah. very
1: very lucky with uh,
0: with uh, that i can manage this stuff yeah well um, all those things matter all those little things oh, yeah, all those yeah. side things that people take for granted or may not have yeah. you have and it's gotten where you are at. Um, the older i've gotten
1: i've also realized is just to get rid of some of the negative stuff um uh, the the negative concept in the fire service became so so rampant uh, in the past couple of years. It's an easy trap to fall into. Uh, I, was, I was I was bad with it. Yeah, I didn't realize how angry I was uh, uh, until after uh, after I, I retired from, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, then I kind of realized like, well, wait a minute. And then from there, just dealing with a lot of the stuff yeah. um, from there, it's been actually been easier because it's just like, no, I'm not going to be negative. I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. you know um yeah these things are terrible um okay uh training we could we're gonna do better next time and you you go from there it's just um try to stay on the upward swing on on everything so (laughs) yeah protect protect your peace yeah protect your peace but uh um when you're when when you're hurt and when you're broken say it yeah you know my wife says and she always looks at me says, you okay and there's times i'm like no i'm not yeah she goes okay you want to talk about it and a lot of times i'm like no i don't no i don't want to talk about it right now Need a minute. Yeah. And it's, and then it's, uh, you know, dumb things. I go out, I, you know, I go out to my, my shed, I, a little workshop I got. Mm-hmm. And I jokingly say I make big pieces of wood into small pieces of wood, you know. And it's just relaxing and you kind of run it through your head. You run it through your head you know, you just, you have to work with it. You've got to work mm-hmm. with it. You can't ignore it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going away. Yeah, don't shove it down. Don't shove it down. Bring it up and, 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 and figure it out. Yeah. And if you can't figure it out, then you, you take the steps necessary. You go to the guys around you that you can trust. You go mm-hmm. to the, you know, the loved ones that you can trust. Um, and if you can, if it's at that point, it's still there and you can't do anything. Don't, don't be foolish. Don't yeah. be foolish. Go get help. Yeah. Um, cause There's this zero is, a, shame oh, uh, this is a, uh, this line of work <laughs> will eat you alive. The stuff that goes on, the stuff that you see, yeah. the stress levels that you manage. I mean, we've had, uh, you know, they had a horrific one recently back home with, you know, a family in a motorhome into a tractor trailer in an interstate. And it's just, just, you know, the guys on the scene, they're like, we didn't know where to start. We didn't know how to do this. There was just, we didn't know how to just, you know, this and that. And we're like, I'm like, okay, all right, when you're ready, you know, and talking to the guys. And they're like, yeah, just, but you're going to see those things. That's going to happen. Yeah, Yeah, it's coming. (laughs) I just remembered you had the one on 95 early, uh, in, early in my career yeah yeah, yeah. With uh, the family right uh family yeah um i was a rookie i was on a trade and uh, that was back then was you know you traded until your leave bank was full yeah yeah so uh i had a great leave partner i mean trade partner so <laughs> i uh we traded back and forth and uh it was a sunday morning and i traded with him and uh they put us out for a wreck in 95 and hop in the hop in the and. Down the road to go, and they, you know, more information on the call. Now they're reporting, you know, vehicle overturned, you know, you know, someone ejected. Okay, you know, it's an interstate call. And then they're reporting, you know, possible multiple people ejected, this and that. And then I remember we were looking for it, and it wasn't where it was. We kept driving north, and we, they finally came back with one. They said, uh, state police on the scene requesting every aviation unit available. And we're just like, what? That doesn't happen. Yeah. That's, and we spin yeah. around, and we kind of see the brake lights, and we spin around, and we come back uh, southbound in a, a van carrying a family i think eight or nine people in the fan uh, in the van uh father fell asleep went off the side of the road hit one of these uh berms mm-hmm. and uh rolled it and it did one of these rolls this you know high energy rolls and it just started ejecting people everywhere and we pulled up and there were bodies laying all over the road and we're just like ready to start yeah yeah and it was literally it was just like uh you know figure out which ones are breathing which ones are not and it was just yeah and by the time you get done, there's that's uh, step one. Yeah, there's a couple. Yeah. There's a couple of photos of it still. Um, mm-hmm. uh, kind of a famous one with the two helicopters landing on ninety five. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, picture of just the the, the, the little uh, groups of people down the roadway all working on people and just you, know, you got there and I forgot what it ended up being, but it was it, horrific and that was one of the first ones where you kind of look at it and that was one of the first ones with you know with Mike Butt. with uh, yeah and you know kind of sit there and you look at each other and you're just like what the hell happened. You know, <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, it's, uh yeah, that's yeah. one of the,
0: one of the many. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. And this job, it can take more than it gives if you let it, Absolutely. but it doesn't have to. Absolutely. And, um, doesn't have to.
1: no. And the thing is, is, is that's so much reliant on where you stand on, on, on how you view it. Yeah. Um, you have to give, yeah. man, you've got to give into this job. But you're going to get to a point where that that input is paying dividends just on other things. Mm-hmm. You know, I was never this confident as a person as a kid. Yeah, I get into the fire service, and you know, people are just like, well, I don't remember you being like this. Oh, no, it wasn't. This job has kind of taught me to, yeah. you know, so oh, there's yeah. a lot it can give back to you, um, but you have to manage everything with it. You've got to manage all the little pieces and parts. Yeah, right. Yeah, so you know, it's through all the horrible stuff. I I I don't you know.
0: I don't regret my decision of the the, the path I've taken. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Now, you've set a pretty awesome tone. Where are you at now? And you don't have to give names, but you had a pretty uh, colorful volunteer life. Then you got hired in the 90s. We worked together. You retired from there. Mm -hmm. And then you did a roundabout. I like the word retired. That's interesting there. (laughs) You you had one retirement, but then didn't really retire.
1: Yeah. Yeah. uh yeah, uh then uh I did some uh worked a little bit down in uh, uh Virginia. Uh, original plan was uh um after I retired I was gonna go down there and we were gonna kinda of relocate the family and start another chapter and um couldn't find a nice place we wanted to build a house in the right school district and stuff. So we're like, yeah, we'll just stay where we're at. You know, we like where we live. Mm-hmm. Um and it was right at the time when my daughter was starting high school. So it was like if we're gonna move, we're gonna move now. Yeah, do it now. Um and I said if we don't do now then we have to wait for, for my son to get out of high school. And we're like, Yeah, no, not a big deal. Okay, so we'll stay We like it. Uh, worked down there for about a year or so um ended up uh, working for harrisonburg virginia um love the department yeah small little department um five engines a truck and a battalion chief and what was nice about it was um you got to see everybody yeah like they'd bring everybody together yeah um four engines i can't remember now was there that's incredible i'm old um and uh you like sunday for breakfast, uh the your entire shift, the entire fire department that was working that day would be at one firehouse. And I'm like, you i I'm like guys, you guys have no idea how good this is. Yeah, right, right. Great department. Really enjoyed my time there. Uh, but had an opportunity to come back up to Maryland and uh, and actually get into the special operations stuff, uh like mm-hmm. full time. Um and um made the decision to, to, to do that. And uh as that department began to develop uh they uh um, they got a safer grant we're going to start staffing more firehouses and not just the special operations stuff. Um, And uh, uh, that kind of melded into, then I was doing special operations and working in a firehouse and doing that. And Mm -hmm. and, uh, it just, it wasn't what I had uh, thought it was going to get into. And uh, the opportunity now where I'm working um, came up, Uh, you know, I know a lot of the players that were involved with, you know, with building it, so I was like, you know what? Let's uh, let's give this a shot. And I looked it over and I did a lot of research into you know uh, uh, how the how the department was planning on being. And uh, so I said, okay, let's do this and uh, pull the trigger at the beginning of this year and um, enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, more simplistic life uh, Schedule's nice. Yeah. Um, drives a little bit more, but uh, I drive back roads now coming, you know, coming out of PA. So it's. Uh, <laughs> know i don't have to deal with the tractor trailers on the interstate so it's you know it's a nice drive in the morning a couple cups of coffee and i'm at the firehouse and it's you know uh it's uh, again brand new fire department you know trying to teach people how to be you know be uh, jokingly called professional fire service you know stuff and Mm -hmm. how you approach certain things and you know uh, pick the chairs up and sweep the floor and mop the floor, as we were talking about earlier. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's little things like that. And it's just, it's it's going through this. And, uh, um, you know, I've, I've uh, the other officers in the station, I've had, you know, I've had some conversations with them. And I had one the other day was telling me, they're just like, you know, I'm really going to lean on you and how to do some of the stuff you've kind of, you know, been doing this. And then he's, he's like, well, you know, how long have you been a, an officer? I said, well, I think it's been about 17 years as a career officer. And he's like, yeah, I haven't been in the fire service that long. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, okay, you're a jerk. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, no, so now it's I'm at the point where it's like, all right, well, you know, time for me to pass this stuff on because these guys are going to be taken over. These are the guys are going to be, you know, sure. uh, in that leadership position down the road for, you know, in, in this department. So it's like, all right, here it is. So now kind of, uh, I, I kind of beat the drum of what not to do in a lot of things because um, mm-hmm. I've kind of checked a lot of those boxes in my career. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know don't act like this don't do this don't Uh, put this in food you know (laughs) i wouldn't put that in an email yeah yeah don't don't put this in an email um no don't lean out the window and yell it at that officer
0: (laughs) so it's yeah if you if you could have your own leadership principle i mean we could talk about so many things if you could have one thing that you like one little mantra or one piece of like leadership advice that you constantly go back on or that speaks to you or you frame so many other decisions with, what would that be? People. Um, this job is about people. Mm-hmm. Um, those that have sworn to protect them and those that
1: we've sworn to protect. Mm-hmm. It's about people. It's not fire trucks. It's not, uh, defibrillators and all this stuff is, is if, if you focus on, um, the, the delivery, the, the human aspect of the delivery and the people that we're delivering it to, if that's your focus, you're pretty much going to be on the right road. Yeah. Do what's right for them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I keep telling, you know, guys asking, well, I didn't know if I should it in this. I said, when you, if you're going to make the decision, is it for the patient? Is it for the citizen? Is it for that? Yes. Okay. Now, go that route, but make sure you're doing it with your department and your the guys around you in mind. Mm-hmm. So you got to meld those two together. Yeah. Um, that's the one thing that I keep seeing is um, getting missed
0: yeah. by
1: some leadership. Um, they become separated from the, you know the, the line level firefighter.
0: Yeah,
1: um, they're not listening to their officers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that kind of stuff. That's for me. That's the one thing. Yeah. From there, you have to just—you've got to develop your leadership style based off of that. There are some people out there you got to come down hard as a hammer. Some people you need to get out of their way. Yeah. So from there, it just—it really becomes it's the people aspect. Mm -hmm. Um, Applying for a job right after I I retired, uh, and uh, the question was—it was was a room full of um, uh, firefighters were doing the interview from the department. And the question was, what's the most uh, difficult tool to utilize in the fire service? And I giggled, and I said, a fireman. <laughs> and they all kind of looked at me, and I said, uh, I take a chainsaw, and I, you know, I clean that chainsaw, and I service it, and I make sure it's ready to go, and it's it's functioning perfect. And I put it in that fire truck, and I shut the door. I could come back the next day. And there's a really, really good chance that that saw is going to work. Yeah. I take a fireman, and he got his great this day. And then he goes home, and he comes back the next day. That's a different fireman. Something there's there's a change in there that you can't affect, and you can't do. There's so much input from that, and that guy's life somewhere else. It's changed. If you can manage that, then the chainsaws are going to be a whole lot easier. Yeah. So. That's a great analogy. Yeah. I I get some really weird looks when I did that. When they're looking at me, they're like fireman's a tool and i'm like well some of the guys i met, but. <laughs> Yeah, but you uh, got more ways than one yeah no that was yeah, then, yeah that's the that's the one thing so you, you got to think about it. it's just yeah it, it's so true you know uh i look at the shifts you know think of the shifts that we worked when we were at seven together mm. you know uh all i said was all right here's the plan for the day and you get out of the way yeah you know you get an engine in a truck though that the guys were just wide open you know you never told him a clean bathroom you never told them that their rigs had to be washed you never told them that you know in the weeklies you know on the wagon you never had to tell the guy to make sure that the you know he was checking all the stuff it was done yeah you know because it was the environment that the guys are doing okay take care of the guys take care of the guys make sure they're doing it you mm-hmm. know you know make sure that they're in you know, that they had what they need look out for them you know filter the bs and
0: go from there yeah so yeah service and it- it's all, it comes back to the it people. Is, and
1: it's, and, and like you pointed out is, you know, if you uh, service and it does come back, it, you, you know, you hold your head a little bit higher when you do things and stuff like that. And you, you feel really good. You know, I left work this morning after the conversation I had with, you know, some of the people on my shift and they were, they, you know, they were making some comments that, you yeah, know, the shifts are going well. And it's really like this. And some of these things that were really driving. Hey, cool. You drive home with a smile on your face. Like, yep. Yeah, yeah. The guys are doing good. The guys, you know that they, they see that. So they're now gonna start putting more into it and stuff. Yeah, so it just begets more confidence yeah. and so if uh, I ignored uh, them and went out to the engine bay and just worked on, you know, saws and axes and made sure the hose lines were perfect. I don't know. That's the whole the, the key piece is gonna get is not gonna get what it needs. Yeah. And that's the people on the shift. So yeah.
0: yeah. I've absolutely had those moments of clarity where I'm sitting in an office or I'm getting bogged down with one thing or another and I'm like none of at the end of the day, none of this shit matters go yeah. out of this, get out of this office or get out of this engine bay or whatever. When everybody is around the coffee table, building that connection or they're in their gear training, you get out of their way, but then also do what you can to support that. Yeah. Cause none of that other shit matters. The paperwork and you know, so many people fall back on well, what does the policy say? The policy might be wrong or in this moment, it could be not the highest ethical standard that we can mm-hmm. uphold. And sometimes a lot of times they jive together. Sometimes they don't. So that goes back to the, what you said about and, people. That's a hard decision to make.
1: Right. And that's where knowing where to flex some of these things. And somebody's, you know, there are people say, well, there, there, there's rules. And you have to follow the rules. And on, on the surface, my, my answer would be yes. Yeah. But there's also nuances because you're dealing with people doing mm. some of these things. You know, take a very, very benign one, and that's uniform policies. All right, uniform policy states you have to wear X, Y, and Z. And you kind of look at it and you say, well, when you hit temperature here, you're allowed to down dress. And you look at it and you're like, well, by 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock today, it's going to be like that. So, okay, policy says you have to wear your, you know, this shirt until that time. Hey, no, guys, drop your stuff. It's a couple hours from now, we're not going to do it. Yeah. I said, but, but they also have to understand is I'm flexing this, but understand down the road is I'm not going to be able to justify that flex somewhere. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have this, this policy doesn't go away. Yeah, just, right, 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 You know, and, and they'll, they'll, they understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in order to do that, you are putting yourself in a position that you could be called on the carpet. You know, um, in my career, I've made the wrong decision that I felt for was the right reason. You know, I had this conversation yesterday yeah. with somebody, um, You know, and it was at odds with the administration and uh, what I did was wrong, but I felt it was right for what all of the nuances was when it came to the people, Mm. you know, and, you know, ultimately I lost that one. (laughs) Well, yeah, I lost that one. But anyways, (laughs) um, but that was, you know, and that's the stuff you, you get into about making these decisions to support the people and make sure that the people are getting they needs, but you, you, you can't get so out of bounds with stuff. Yeah. Um, I you gotta keep some them. thing inside there. Yeah. So it's, you know, and that's, you know, and that's, that's the art of the leadership side to it. Yeah. You know, where can I flex? Where can I hold firm? You know, when do I do it? What's the tone? What's the message? Do these guys, are they really going to understand what that message is?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so that's, that becomes a challenge, and you got to think about it. Um, uh, sometimes you are gonna say no, we're not gonna do that, and then later on you go, ah, I should have done that. Mm. And there's times you're like, yeah, we're gonna do it, and then go, ooh, <laughs> that's, not, that's not good. Um, but at some point you have to make a decision, and you got to go with it. But then mm. just tell them, hey, this we, we may alter this. This is there's a there's there's a change that could happen. Yeah. Um, and that's gonna be based off a couple of things. Um. If you have the a good group of people the right group of people uh, uh that change is easier because they're more understanding to the more things um firemen don't like change they don't like the way things are they'll joke um but they've got to have to understand is if you're gonna you're gonna waver back and forth you know people say well he breaks this rule but he follows this one and like this and it's like yes mm-hmm. that's that's just the, the way it is and depending on what the situation is we're gonna tighten up this one and we can loosen up this one and that kind of stuff yeah so i don't think it's always black and white no not the answer that a lot of the administration side would would agree with no um but then again i can sit in firehouses and say i don't don't agree with yours either so we're going to have this understanding that there's going to be a disagreement yeah now ultimately <laughs> when the boss comes down and says no then you say yes sir and yep you got it and and you do what you're supposed to do yeah and you don't push
0: back over and over, <laughs> and over and over again, like some people we know. Yeah. So, yeah, it's some, it's not something that you can do constantly. And the, the other side of that is we are always operating in the gray anyway. So when you said, yeah. yeah, we don't, it's yes, policies, generally speaking, are black and white, but that's not how we operate. Now, yes, right. we need to f- uphold the standards. And we can't go against them all the time. No, and yeah. at that point, you're just being an antagonist. Yes. But if you have little sips here and there, where you made a decision that you can sleep soundly at night, making, and you can rest your head on that, then yeah. And you you're gotta gonna have
1: gonna okay. and there's there's gotta be a basis behind it. Uh, <laughs> one of the stories, one of one of the visits I got. Um, so I come in early one day and I'm I'm working at. Uh, uh, Working on a truck company, and we had a, a um, lot of recruits in the station. We had three rookies on the shift: yeah. two assigned to the engine, one assigned to the truck. Um, and uh, I'm of the belief that the, the rookie you, you you do your rookie year it teaches you good things. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I was I was instilled was um, the rookie should be you know when when it's time to eat dinner the, the the rookie sits down and eats, and it's time you listen, keep your mouth shut. And when you're finished, you get up, you, you clean your plate, and then you, as a sign sign of respect, you, the other guys when they get done eating, they usually push their plate back, and then they start you know, you bullshitting for the evening. Well, then you go over and you pull their plates off, and you let those guys talk, and you just listen, and it's a little bit of sign of respect, and you clean up the plates, and you know, you do all the, the mopping and stuff. You're 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 the new guy, you're yeah. the rookie, earn, yeah. earn your way up. Um, so then we would uh, you know, and then it became a joke at this this assignment where. Uh, I wouldn't let the rookies take my plate because it's my plate. <laughs> you don't take my plate. Well, of course, the other guys in the companies were were involved with it. So it became a challenge where I would try to get my plate to the sink and the rookies would try to stop me. <laughs> well, the first time I did it, the, the you know one of the rookies came up, sir, let me get that for you. No. I slap his hand. I said, no, I got it. I, I take my own plate to the sink.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I wash my plate and put it in the dishwasher. And, of course, the guys are like, oh, that's it. Fine. Let the lieutenant do his dishes. That's fine. You know,
0: <laughs> right to wear them out.
1: Next shift. Same thing. I get up. The guy comes over. Let me take it. I push him away. I said, "No, I got it." You could tell the kid kid wasn't happy. Yeah. The other rookies are kind of looking back and forth, and and I was I was a, not a very nice officer at that point in my career either. And then uh, then it progressed progressed. So finally, I get up one shift. I'm going to take it over, and rookie comes over and grabs the plate, and another rookie over and grabs it, and they said, "We got it. You're not taking it." And I said, "Oh no, I am." So we started a wrestling match with the plate. So I decided I'm going to be part of this. So I grab it and I lay on top of the plate. Well, these two rookies shuffled themselves over to the sink with me laying on top of the plate. <laughs> and we both said, and I'm like, no, you didn't do it. Oh, no, you didn't. No, oh, no, you didn't. And from there, it just went off the rails. And so then it became like a full-on wrestling match. Another part of it was they'd have to answer the phone. The phone to ring, we'd always tell them, hey, answer the phone within the first three rings. Mm-hmm. That could be an important phone call. So they would like the phone to ring. Well, then the rookies started racing each other to get to the phone. Because we'd always, we'd wear out the other rookies. Well, that's fine. Let the truck rookie get, you know. Yeah, right, right. So it just started to spin out of control. Well, then the guys were making phone calls right at the end of dinner to the firehouse. (laughs) So the rookies would run toward the phone. I'd jump up, grab my dish, run towards the sink. Oh, and it just turned into into a game. And it was, then it was the captain got involved. And the captain would be like, no, you're not touching the plate. And he would smash it on the ground and break it. And it just got just wide open. (laughs) It was I mean, I would be jumping up, running across the table. It was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> It was just the, the firehouse shenanigans about these guys were just. So I come in well early one morning, and um, the battalion chief is waiting for me, but he's a, a administrative battalion chief. You know, mm. He's aide to the uh, operations chief. And uh, he's there, and I'm like, hey, what's up, man? What are you doing here this morning? I thought he worked overtime. He's like, oh, man, actually, you know, came to talk to you. I'm like, oh, um, you know, yeah. That's two hours before shift change. I'm like, oh, well, what's up, chief? He goes, well, get him in to talk off the record. <laughs> this is not off the record. <laughs> I said, what's going on? They said, well, you know, the recruit on the shift, you know, on shift X, will say, um, you know, uh, hurt their knee. Yeah, oh, yeah, I heard about that. You know, that sucks. Yeah, yeah. well, during the investigation, uh, they said that they were running to answer the phone. I said, okay. Well, why would they run to answer the phone I said they said that they were ordered that they had to answer the phone before the third ring I said I said oh well, we, we kind of tell them on the station they should answer the phone you know come on answer the phone and so they, they get into a competition they run for the phone they said yeah well they said that uh it was your shift that started all of that and I'm like oh they probably heard it from us yeah um yeah sure he says, yeah well we also heard that you you know, you make your rookies <laughs> take all the dishes off the table and you guys get into like like smashing dishes and food fights and I'm like and I'm like yeah <laughs> <laughs> is that so odd? Is that, yeah, is, you know, <laughs> is hey, that not normal? Ha, ha, have you met me? So, it is, and he's kind of looking at me and he says, "Well, just to let you know that they're 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 talking about this. You know, there could be some hazing or some harassment involved in this and this and that." And I said, "Oh, okay." I'm like, "All right." Um, hey, Chief, did you ask me why I did it? And he kind of looked at me. He goes, "Excuse me." I said, "Did you ask me why we do this?" And he goes, "I, I, I don't know." I said, "Chief, I, we got three rookies in this firehouse, and this firehouse sucks to work at. It's miserable here. Okay." We all know this. Yeah. Um, I've got three rookies that are so energetic about doing dirty dishes and answering phones. They're willing to wrestle officers and bull people over to do their job for a dish. How fortunate I have, are we? I have the same mentality these guys now have. What do you think they're going to do when they're told to go to the rear of the building, a ladder of the building? What are they told to advance that line? Chief, if I got them so passionate, no, I... If the shift has them yeah. so passionate about dirty dishes and phones and how they feel about their job, their responsibility, have I done something wrong or I've just maybe done it in a way that you guys aren't used to? <laughs> and he kind of smiled and he says, nice talking to you, Lou, and walked away. Never heard a word <laughs> about it after that. Uh, that's awesome. So either I bullshitted my way out of that one really, really yeah, well. Yeah. Or they just decided it wasn't worth trying it on that one. Yeah. But that was one of the things. And the, the, the shift was all, I mean, the shift was in a, and every, and what was, but at that point on, that was almost that visit saying, stop it. Yeah. So that after that. toned down a that. Uh, yeah, we, we, we pretty much had in it. Now what's funny was the rookies were more upset than anybody. They loved it. Oh yeah. They love the game, you know, <laughs> but it was, and that was, and that was, that was the thing is you know, why do you do it? There's gotta be a reason why you do some of those things. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to break these rules, if I'm gonna flex these things, give me a reason for it. Well, Chief, I got guys that are they're they're that passionate about it. We've just taught them passion for this job of something benign. And camaraderie and Comrad- trust. And tr- right. Yeah. yeah. You know, and the you know, and that was that was the reason for it. It wasn't belittling them. Yeah. You know. We weren't like throwing food and saying, clean it up or any of that stuff. No, oh, no, it was not that. No, no was no hazing. And, you know, and the moment, you know, when dishes smashed on the ground, you know, then it was, then everybody, you know, then it was, everybody's cleaning up. Why? Because we're all part of this one, yeah. you know, kind of thing. <laughs> um, But that's what it was. And it was, you know, we flexed some rules. We acted a little differently here and there. And, you know, but that was the message of uh, probably, probably should stop that. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, yeah.
0: You were saying that and I was thinking i i can run through three dozen different pranks or th- games or things that we got wrapped up into when we all worked together oh and i can God. just only imagine uh we and even outside of that we had our 18 hole golf course yes at yes. the firehouse which is and, awesome yep um we had a good time we 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 <laughs> uh, every i think a black cat every time i, I do that, I think yeah. that. <laughs> uh. we played really really hard but we worked really really hard too
1: yeah, and yeah, we had, and it was that passion. I yeah. mean, um, uh, we would earn our rest or our playtime. The play time. The, uh, the department I'm with now, they uh, recently got uh, you know the first kind of outing, uh, try to get everybody together to, to go out, mm-hmm. and uh, um, union president was like, hey, you know, hey, you're coming out for this? I said, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. I said, I, I I don't I don't get into the competition side of things with with, with firemen anymore. I just I don't think it's a good idea for me. He goes, no, it's not that bad. And I was like, well, let me tell you a story about a station I worked at. (laughs) I said, we used to get into either a trash can football, wiffle ball, or our own 18-hole golf course, or we golf in the TV room that became so competitive and so brutal that we wouldn't talk to each other. Full-blown like, wrestling matches. Yes, yeah, full-blown yeah. wrestling. Guys, you know, and I'm like, I, I just, no, no. <laughs> I've been there. I can't do it. I can't do it anymore, man. You know, first off is, I, I you know, I've I've had guys that taught, you know, some of the guys that we went against doing these things, I'm like, man, I, I learned how to be brutal to people. Yeah. And, and hurt. I mean,
0: I really thank the truck crew for that one. I mean, yeah. man, they were rough. Uh, I just remember you took a header off of something in the middle of the night when we were all doing things we shouldn't have been doing, and you oh, just God. hear, "Stop!" Stop. <laughs> we, knew um, we, we,
1: we knew we crossed the line. That was the that was the tennis ball fight in the bunk room. Yeah. Yes, at uh, yeah, oh. we, we, we took all the all the dividers out. We were replacing yeah. the dividers that were two weeks late for delivery. We threw yeah. them all out and realized they weren't there yet. Yeah, that was. I, we still talk about it. Sometimes we just yell, "Stop!" Yeah, <laughs> dove into something. I was like, I was bleeding. I'm like, "All right, stop! <laughs> just stop and turn the lights on. Right,
0: we're done here. Yeah, this isn't good. Oh man, if well, the walls of that firehouse could talk, yeah, quite a colorful career, and um, just thank you, man. We have I've been through a lot. We've been through a lot together, and you'd go back to your mentors and your colleagues and your peers and your friends. And any time from the golf outings or going to go help, you know, go hang out at your house, everything from mayhem and pulling kids out of windows. Uh, you were always there for me. And I at 100% am confident that I've gotten myself out of a lot of really bad situations because of the skills that you gave me. And I can't thank you enough for that. Love you like a sister. And, uh, yeah. Appreciate it. All around good, dude, man.
1: It's uh uh in my uh my movement back into the area here for work. Uh has a lot of I've run into a lot of people. I've a lot of phone calls and stuff and um I didn't realize some of the comments that you know guys are making and stuff and phone calls and and stuff. It's I didn't realize kind of um kind of the impact that I had. Yeah, uh, I, 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 it was just more of I thought I was just that you know that tornado that tore through a department, <laughs> um, but now more just you know the guys are just reaching out and some of the comments they make and you know, I was telling you earlier about a guy you know, running into a guy on a call and he's sitting there with his with his son and he kind yeah. looked at his son and hey, you know this is you know this is odd or this together taught me how to be a fireman and I was just kind of struck by that I was like well, wait a minute you know and it's kind of yeah heard it a couple times and I was like you know damn I
0: guess it wasn't that bad. <laughs> So, yeah it's, yeah, it's definitely, you were that for me. Appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-